this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. It's another Sunday night. I hope you're all having a great week. I hope you all are preparing a really fun Halloween like season. Um, I'm pretty pretty excited for uh, you know for the end of October and all that stuff. Um, we also have a great set of uh, creators to talk to today. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Don't Push the Red Button, and we're also going to talk about a book I'm really excited to um, go over called The Fable Offering with our guest uh, Nandor Fox Schaefer. Andrew, how's it going? Hey, guys. Hey, Ben and Joey. It's going well. I've been looking forward to speaking with you all day. I've been thinking about, you know, just what we're going to talk about and going over the book. So I'm really happy to be here. It's yeah, awesome to have cool. you. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. So, uh, I mean, I have to say, uh, and then we'll bring this uh, artwork up in a little bit, but Sure. This is a book that I've been looking forward to for a long time, ever since I saw the sort of pre-launch art. Um, really cool stuff. Uh, very, I, I kind of think it's like a 70s sci-fi vibe it has yeah. to it. Um, yeah. Really fun book. So tell us like the elevator pitch for The Fabled Offering. So The Fabled Offering is a 40-page mature sci-fi fantasy one-shot that follows Grand Princess Aurelia on a quest to save herself and her kingdom from her past traumas. And she is uh, on this journey while pregnant. Uh, she's carrying an, an unborn child um, to this mount, this mountain that she's trying to get to uh, in this other world, this this world we've never seen before. And she's trying to get to this deity called Sizen. And will he accept her offering? Um, so that's kind of the the pitch of it is is she's alone uh and she's the, the stakes are so high for her and and what she's uh having to sacrifice and and her own struggles and um it's a love letter to everything i love about science fiction fantasy like in 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 one story as much as i could possibly try to cram <laughs> into it but uh yeah i've loved the genres for so so long and i've never written a story uh in in this genre before so um it's a real pleasure to finally 
bring it to everyone and to kind of show everyone what I've been working on for a long time. What I think is really cool about this is when I saw the first few posts you made about it with the artwork looking the way it did, um, not just necessarily as the artwork is, I think, like almost Bill Sengevich quality. I mean, it's, it's yeah. top notch stuff. Yeah. It's better than what you will see at Marvel or DC uh, right now I, I, on an average you know level. Uh, what I think was really smart about what you've done is when I saw those first images, I got exactly what you're going for. Like I got, okay, this is kind of Dune, David Lynch, Jodorowsky sort of vibe. And yeah, it really communicated that very quickly, which I think is a thing people really need to pay attention to when they're doing Kickstarters and, and crowdfunding stuff. Um, how did you find, uh, how did you meet this artist and, and how did you kind of create the, the artwork that was used to promote this. Yeah. So uh, Marco Roblin is the artist for the book and he's only done one or two other comics that I know of that I've seen. I actually found him through Kickstarter, through a Kickstarter campaign a couple of years ago called the Numinous Nomads. And it was this uh, espionage uh, time travel book that looked really cool. And I remember seeing his, a few panels of his work, um, on on social media and i was like i have to work with this guy on something you know <laughs> and and i didn't know what it would be but i always have this little short list of creators that i'd love to work with and artists that i'd love to work with and so i jotted his name down i was like okay and um because initially i had started working on the fabled offering with another artist and he was a traditional painter oh, yeah. and um but it, it was going to take so long for the book to be finished uh, because it was going to be traditionally painted and much more expensive too. And so I had to kind of weigh my options. Like, do, do I want to go that route and, and wait so long for this book that I had finished writing and I was really excited about, should I wait to share it with people or should I kind of go in a different direction and still try to like keep the soul of the project together? And then I thought of Marco and I thought, I wonder if he would be up for this, you know, and if he would be available for it even. And so once um, I t told him about the project, he was excited, more excited than any other artist I've ever worked with um, for it because he, he loves um, a lot of the same things that I love and a lot of the same properties that I love, like Dune and... Um, you know, a lot of like like heavy metal magazine and, and like mm -hmm. 70s, 80s uh, kind of style of comics. And so uh, when we started working together, I had put together this visual document. Uh, it was pages upon pages of like how I wanted the world to feel. And I used a lot of reference images from, from films and comics and things that I love um, to do my best to describe the kind of world that I'm seeing and that I wanted to portray, I wanted him to kind of capture some of the aesthetics. And, and so um, I put together this visual document and I sent it over to him and we just started kind of hashing out the feel of it and the look of it. And then he started with a page or two. And from, from the onset, when I saw like one of his first pages that he sent me, I was like, this is this is really going to work, and this is going to be so different from anything else that you would see um, on Kickstarter or on the newsstands. It's so 
unique. And like what I love about his work is that you see it and you have to take your time with it. It, it kind of stops you in your tracks and you have to go, wait a second, like this, this is really something, you know, this is really special. This is something you don't see every day. So that's, that's really how I decided if, if it's doing that to me, um, when I've seen his work previously, I can't imagine a 40 page book, you know, each page sure. looking like this and how cool that would be. So that's kind of where we started. Well, I mean, and I'm going to bring this up, um, real quick here, but the, the artwork in this really just from the first time I saw it, I was like, this is, this is something special. This looks very much like, uh, I would say I I would compare it to in the early nineties, it was a special thing to see a painted book or basically just any book that the artwork was not like exactly, you know, sort of standard comic book artwork, like your Dan reading sort of thing. Um, If you saw a painted book, it was something special. And that was, um, that's exactly what I thought when I saw the first images from this, it was really, I mean, it's referenced, I think, but it's, uh, it's strong stuff. I think it's referenced in a way that's really, um, you can tell this guy can draw. Uh, it's it yeah. strong images and this book feels like a an event this is something i really wanted to check out so um it, you know that's that's kind of what my entry point was to this and i've seen your other books i think i backed um what was your previous book that was man child was it yes. man child yeah um i liked that and uh, i love the artwork in it but this was a basically just a very different um strong sort of i i wouldn't say statement when i saw the artwork for this it was like hey this yeah. is a big deal and, yeah uh, um what uh what, what's so interesting too about marco's work um is you know it has that bill sinkevich look but what's so like like i was i i had to ask marco a couple of times now wait a second i thought you were a di- like i thought you were a digital artist and he was like i am like this is this like none of this is traditional wow. but like you look at it it looks traditional it, yeah yeah everything hard. about it screams like i could i could touch this i could touch this paper you know like mm-hmm. like you could feel the texture and the texture of it and like the 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 depth of it all is so convincing that like i had to ask him like wait a second, you know, like this, this isn't digital. And he's like, no, it is. So like, he's just, uh, he's able to uh, work his magic with it in a way that I don't know if many artists could or, you know, do it as well. And so that's something about it that I just find fascinating. And, and, you know, I, you always get that shot of adrenaline and like dopamine when you see like a new page from like an artist or or artwork or whatever. But with his in particular, it's it's just a next level of, of being striking to me. Oh, it really is. And I think it combines uh, to me. It did look digital. I mean, probably because I'm an artist and I, I really. You have an artist. Yeah, yeah. you, have, you have a unique artist. eye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, but to what it, what really I mean, really just punched me in the face was it it had a very digital feel. To me, but it also reminded mm-hmm. me so much of like if you look at the colors from like Batman Year One, uh, the the yeah. expanded edition where it's like you know a little bit more uh, wasn't the newsprint version that it, it just had that it had that color palette yeah. 
it had that amount of texture and some of that he's doing with his inks, which is also really cool. Um, but it just, it really yeah. looks, uh, it looks old and new at the same time. I was, I was so struck by that. I and, love, uh, I love that you said that. And I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but like, that was, that was a huge part of what I wanted this book to feel like. I wanted it to feel like you're going back in time and you're picking up a book that you missed, you know, yeah. like, Oh, like, I missed this like from 20 or 30, 40 years yeah. ago, but like it, it has that timeless flavor to it. And that also for me as, as the writer of the book, there's a, there's a, a time travel element paradox element yeah. to the story. And so like having that art style be a part of that too, mm -hmm. it was just icing on the cake for me. I was like, this is a marriage, you know, the, like the best of both yeah. worlds. No, that's a, what I had in my notes that I was just about to say was this looks like a remastered version of some comic from the 80s. I yeah, mean, it really has that that vibe to it, uh, despite that, you know, if you really look closely, you can kind of see, yeah, I think this is digital. I think this is referenced in this way um, that if I really dug into it, I think it was done you know, this year. But it, right. it just it really, really uh, digs into that uh, that feel. It does have that like. I guess yeah. sort of uh, legacy, you know, nostalgic sort of vibe, and yeah. uh, just get a little bit into the I, I, the writing side of it, I guess a little bit, and I guess also the marketing as well. Um, I think what you've done with the the basic like pitch of this character, it's a pregnant woman. Um, she has to go up a mountain. It's very simple, and I think it's also mm -hmm. very visual. When you see that that picture of that character, you know, basically what your objectives are as far as what they're trying to do, what their obstacles are going to be. Um, how did, how much did you think that out and, and plan that out as far as like, uh, did I want, did you want the story to be like uh, a complete, uh, you know, like sort of uh, like sort of something where they're, it, it's very clear and they, that you dial into it, or is it something where you wanted to, maybe be a little bit more, there's going to be stuff that you unfold as the story goes on. Yeah. I, um, when I was, uh, conceptualizing everything and, and thinking about, uh, like brainstorming, what kind of, uh, obstacles that Aurelia would face. Um, I, I always start my stories like from like, like it's all about character for me. And, and I think the best stories are, and, I knew I didn't want the plot to be there's some complex layers to it. Um, but I really wanted it to feel straightforward and like you, you could, you could, you know, sit in the car and be along for the ride and not like question where we're going or what's happening. It's like, it's very direct. It's like, this is her goal. This is what she's trying to do. The interesting stuff happens in between like from when she leaves and trying to get to this but also uh trying to get to this goal it's not necessarily guaranteed that even when she gets there she'll get what she wants and that was the really interesting thing for me was like what would it be like to struggle towards something for so long and not even not even know if if you'll be successful at it and and having to you know not only take care of yourself but take care of 
a baby. You know, it's just like it's very the the stakes of it are so high, and really, it all it, it all goes back to Aurelia's own motivations and her journey. And I thought trying to add to any more like plot threads or make make what she's going through any more complex for the reader would would get in the way of what she needs to do and and would like just make it harder to read and harder to follow than it needed to be yeah i think that's uh, i was going to ask you about saga um if that was an influence on you at all like because i when you first i whenever that came out i think it was 2011 or something like that i saw the first ads for that it was you know the the pregnant woman and the the guy and the baby and it was right it was just like very clear what their goals were just from an image and i think that you've done something like that i think that's actually when you're looking at doing stuff in crowdfunding it's so hard to get people's attention and it's so hard to really clearly and simply communicate what you're trying to do and i think you did a really smart thing in how you've put artwork out about this that it really you see the woman you see you can stake her goal um, it's a, it's a very quick elevator pitch. And I think that's, yeah. um, it, it, kind of what you were saying before, I, I think it was my next question, but you've really, um, I, I would say you've done something that is a very quick selling point. And I was almost curious as, did you start with a, the, something that would be a very quick elevator pitch, a very quick sell, uh, and work backwards from there? Or did you kind of take a story you had and, say like okay how do i really quickly distill this into a very ar- artistic and in, in terms of the text you know like how do i just explain this very quickly because i think this is one of the most succinct projects i've seen in a long time as far as hey this is what this is another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, um, well, and I think I've, I've learned um, from my previous projects, um, I have seasons lifeline and manchild and all of those have been i feel like sometimes a little too meta or a little too highbrow like they've always been hard for me to to condense in a pitch and so uh going into this book uh i was like how can i how can i escape that how can i escape that problem when i'm trying to talk about a story or talk about a new story and i was definitely intentionally trying to um condense what i what this next project might be into something really simple so that i could pitch it really easily and i wouldn't have to uh, i wouldn't have all of these complex uh ideas or themes kind of rolling around my head while i was trying to pitch it because when i'm at signings or conventions you know you'll have that person that's asked that that asks you well what is this about and like for me, there's so many ideas that pop into my head because there's so many things that I'm thinking about. Like, well, it's about this, but it's really about this, you know, because there's layers to your stories. And so I'll trip myself up sometimes when I'm talking about uh, my stories. And 
so this time around, I was like, well, I still want to have those layers, but I really want everything to just feel like it's easy to digest and easy to follow and very, uh, you know, it's very simple because, again, uh, I wanted all of the complexities to be found in her, not in necessarily the plot. Um, and so that was really my, my goal. And I think, uh, you know, seeing again, that visual element of a pregnant woman trying to climb a mountain, I was like, that just seems impossible. You know, that, that seems like, it also kind of writes itself in terms of like, like, okay, there's the drama. I get that. You know, that's, it's very much there. Right. Right. That's that's kind of where I was. I was like, it, it doesn't that's all there needs to be like, that's hard enough. You know, like that's <laughs> that's difficult enough. That's, uh, you know, we don't need to add anything else. Um, but getting to that point and uh, kind of fleshing out the, the aftermath of, of that um, was where it really got into what I really love about storytelling and then just a lot of the more juicy details about kind of how this world works and, and what we could do. But, um, you know, and I, I'd never, never written a, a female character before um, uh, for a central protagonist of a story. And that was definitely a new challenge too, because um, I didn't want to, I didn't want to miss that opportunity. I didn't want to miss the opportunity to really try to get into the head of someone and, and, them out as much as possible and i needed to do that and the only way to do that was to trim the fat of of any you know plot devices that could get in the way of mm-hmm. that i definitely want to come back to that that's um that was kind of a question i was going to ask i have in my notes about this versus man child right um, but i want to switch over for just a minute to another guest matt mortal who is a creator on don't push the red button which i'm at share hello everybody listening to me okay we are yeah all right so matt is uh doing a story in this anthology which is a really cool project uh we've we've looked at some stuff from uh matt tell us a little bit about your story in don't push the red button well uh first of all i'm glad to be here um have a a good night everyone good evening everybody (laughs) uh my story is called uh induction and destruction I'm the writer for it, and it concerns a presidential election that um, goes awry, let us, let us say, uh, by the sudden introduction of a third party that's mm-hmm. very interested in it. And of course, that party brings with him the button, the elusive button that all stories in this anthology are themed about, of course, the button of, uh, which with, that can change your life with one press and can end another <laughs> At the same time, uh, so that's essentially the premise of the story of induction and destruction. I'm working alongside uh, Victor Fujita, another Brazilian Brazilian illustrator. I'm Brazilian, by the way. I didn't think I mentioned that, um, but yeah, that's the gist of it. Very cool. I remember reading the. Uh, I mean, I read the pitch, the sort of one line for each of the stories in this, and yours really stuck out. That seemed probably because we're going to an election season here in America. <laughs> It's on everyone's minds, and uh, we're all, I think, bracing ourselves to see how 
ugly and horrible it's going to be. But <laughs> I feel like that was I, I saw that one and I was like, yeah, that's that's a good story. I I, I want to read that. <laughs> like that's a good pitch. Um, it, was that something you thought about when you were coming up with the idea for it, or was it like, did you kind of look at current events, or was it just something you had in your head for a while that you applied to that that setting? Uh, well, uh, I think I'm I'm very uh, I, I think about politics a lot. I think I'm a very, I'm very politically motivated in some things, uh, and uh, I think the last few elections, uh, both in the U.S. and in Brazil, my my homeland where I reside right now, mm -hmm. have been uh, let us say uh, complicated in in some sense, uh, <laughs> and that that has stuck with me. And then the, particularly the last election in Brazil last year was a very tense election, very grim election uh and that that stuck with me in my, in my head uh, but i was also inspired by other things that i i quite love like uh the the, the name of the story for example comes from the edwin star song war mm -hmm. uh as you recall which i, I listen to a lot as a, as a as a favorite song of mine so i was listening to it and the, the with the election themes in my head and the the um, the whole the whole thing you know i was thinking i was also inspired by um Doctor Strangelove uh, by Stanley Kubrick, which is mm. another film that I'm, I'm very fond of. So this whole themes of of, of war, election, and, and induction, destruction, who wants to die, uh, that sort of thing was was rattling in my brain. I I don't think I was actively consciously inspired by the American election um, next year, but I think maybe subconsciously because in, in some way or another. Uh, everyone has to look at the, the American elections, particularly us in the third world, uh, in the global south, as it's also said. We have to keep an weather eye on it because, you know, <laughs> fate of the world and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, what, what, a, what a perfect, uh, what a perfect name for this, for this, right? This, the story uh, curated by by Oscar Osorio, and he's uh, from Peru, and the the whole premise of this is. Uh, if you were offered a red button that would change your life, uh, would you push it? But somebody would have to die. Somebody close to you would have to die. And, and would you still push it? And so we're going to follow 11 different stories with over 30 different creators on this anthology. Um, tons of different really great uh, um, <clears throat> rewards. Uh, we have a cover by Francesca Fantini, uh, covered by Liana Kangas. And then um, you also have standard covers. You have... Uh, hollow covers and a glow in the dark metal cover um really really cool stuff here um this one is um <clears throat> and what's really cool is we kind of wanted to talk a little bit about this um <clears throat> because it was created by by uh, oscar who lives in peru um he wanted to create something that that you know had had uh you know many different peoples uh connected to this and many different people of different colors and races and 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 I think he kind of did that. You know, we have people from Peru, we have Brazilians, we have uh, Italians, we have uh, you know Spanish, Mexican, you know, like all kinds of different uh, heritages, uh, it, it, all from from all over the world um, that are involved in this story. So, um, and and I think uh, all these different stories that that kind of within these things um kind of pertained to all everybody's different cultures and, and their and their lifestyles so it's really really interesting to kind of see that this kind of come through uh, and and then come together um i know ben ben you kind of been on the back end of some of the stuff too do you kind of, did you kind of get that idea of uh, that's kind of 
the feel of this story that there's there's a lot of these different people are coming through this story yeah i think it's uh it's a really clever uh framing device it's kind of a twilight zone ish idea the red button um it's a good framing device that i think is open to a lot of different creators a lot of different uh, you know sort of genres as well and I, when I looked at the pitches for each of the, the main stories, and I think there are a few stories that might be unlocked if we can reach a certain goal, mm-hmm. um, I thought that's a really good device. It works in sci-fi. It works in like very grounded sort of fiction. And it's, uh, I, I think it can capture a lot of different creators, uh, you know, the zeitgeist of different people uh, in their cultures. I mean, like that's a good, mm-hmm. uh, a really strong sort of, centralizing theme and that's what i think is really cool about this yeah totally and and uh, what's yeah, really, really cool is because of that i'm sorry go ahead no i was just <laughs> mentioned that uh you mentioned twilight zone yeah that was uh, also my first thought when the when oh, yeah. uh, the call was put out when i saw it's like hey it's like twilight zone i always love twilight zone particularly the original without sterling so i was like hey it's a good opportunity for me to do something of a twilight zone of myself let us say if i <laughs> and thankfully i was i was picked my my pitch was selected so yeah the twilight zone is a, is a very good i was i was also thinking of the uh comic book uh horror anthologies of the 1950s i think uh, mm-hmm. uh tales from the yeah. crypt vault of horror that sort of thing of mm-hmm. course this is this is uh, i think a little more uh diverse let us say than the than the yeah. Mm-hmm. And that sort of uh, heyday, but yeah, also things in the same wavelength. Another another sort of thing that I like the, these anthologies and, and the, the like, but mm-hmm. more international, I suppose. Which yeah, I, and I think is... yeah, I think it has the vibe of something that's. If you look at the EC comics from the fifties, the the kind of short stories that were very, they generally had like an ironic ending, um, which is not to say that these all do, but like it, it was open to that type of storytelling. And I think Twilight Zone again was the first thing I thought of when I saw the the idea behind the series the, the first thought that came into my head was rod serling you know delivering a pitch for like imagine if you will a red button yeah so, <laughs> it, it really works that way and i think it's um it's a strong device and uh and i the fact that that works so universally and we have a ton of great creators on this i think it makes it a really yeah. strong uh strong proposition as far as a crowdfunding campaign goes yeah, the, with the thing with anthologies, right, <clears throat> are are uh, a lot of the times that it's really hard for them to kind of do something diverse like this, where you have one frame narrative that kind of uh, is able to uh, travel beyond uh, genres, right? And I and I think it's this is really cool that that, that this frame narrative is going to be able to to kind of you know you know stretch beyond those borders of of things that you can do and which is very unique in, in anthologies and when you can find a a story like that or a narrative frame narrative that you can uh you know place in a, in a position like that it's i think it's very unique and and something to kind of definitely look into um what other kind of uh uh rewards we got we got tons of really cool stuff here that we can look at um we, uh, so because this this is uh, uh, also talking about unique, um, this is kind of a unique uh, uh, thing that Oscar wanted to do. He's very, uh, you know, about the indie scene and, and the independent creators. So what he wanted to do is he wanted to make sure that everybody was paid a generous, uh, uh, you know, page rate. So what he's going to do with this is he, he wants to make sure that this thing gets funded before he even has anybody uh you know 
uh, land down actual things. We have a timeline where we're going to have different uh, we're going to have artwork and then we're going to have we're going to have scripts, artwork and then and then the printing process. Right. But we're not we're not going to do that uh, until this is funded. And the reason why he wanted to do that is because he wanted to make sure that he hits a certain goal so that all these creators that are that these 30 plus creators on the project were you were paid a generous rate. And, and it's and when I say generous, it's it's better than than, you know, the the regular rate that that what what what's, what's out there. Right. And it's still kind of in within that placement. Right. And then his idea is if you continue to go further um, if we hit past, you know, uh, 13k, 14, 15, 16k, um, he's gonna, he's thinking about unlocking, um, increasing that pay rate for each of those creators, which is really unique, right? Because, uh, because you see these different people that, uh, and I don't want to say, cause I don't want to, I've never been involved in, in anything like that before, where, um, um, where creators, uh, you know, they, they, they talk about the, the pay rates, right? But it's not always the best pay rate because you have to now split it with that many creators, right? There's so many creators on the project now you have to split it. But here he wants to make sure that, that everything is, is taken care of and maybe that everything is, is, you know, the way it should be and the way we want to be treated as creators. And I thought that was very unique. Uh, and when I was speaking with him about this project and, and l- l- I was, I, that's the part where I was reluctant, right? I was like, okay, okay listen, this is a pretty big thing thing you're biting off here. Like, like this is a pretty ambitious campaign. You want to pay all these guys a really great rate. You even want to increase the pay rate, the more money that this thing makes. Right. I love the idea, but I'm like, we got to think about this realistically because this is a business, right? But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm starting to eat my words here because the campaign campaign's doing really good. And, and I think, uh, his, his vision of what he had, um, I think he's, I think he's, he was onto something here. So, I think uh, this is just he's he's created such a great team, and everybody's been uh, really uh, involved and and one of the best teams that I've seen actually getting out there and actually involved in the marketing, mm-hmm. uh, which is really cool because a lot of the times uh, creators it's really hard for them to to kind of uh, figure out how to get out there and market their work, uh, uh, let alone even you know get out there and do it at all. Um, so I thought it was really unique, and this project is just such cool thing to kind of see on the back end. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it's good to see. I mean, again, I'm an artist. I'm always looking at things through that lens. It takes a long time to draw a page. Um, that's what makes it, I think, really important to say to people, to backers, "Hey, we do want this money for the team." And when you're a writer, I'm not to knock writers at all, but it just doesn't take the time investment that that artwork does. I think it's very good to be upfront about what crowdfunding is and then, you know, how that really pays uh, the the sort of the longer investment that an artist has to make into producing books like this. And I, I like when people are upfront about that because it's, it, first of all, it's honest. Second of all, mm-hmm. it really communicates to backers, hey, it takes a long time for people to create this work and it, it's worth investing in. And it's, it's yeah. really great to see people be upfront about that and to just illustrate, pun not intended, what it takes for someone to create, you know, these comic book pages because it does take right. a long time to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and uh, like this is the thing I really want this thing to fund, and I've I've got my ideas on the and, and I don't want to say this right because I, like you know I'm manifesting this thing, like funding <laughs> very well, and, and and I'm manifesting that that all these creators 
are going to get, you know, a really, really amazing page rate because that's that's the goal of this. Right. The goal is to get this out there, to get into people's hands, to get it read and and look back and say, wow, everybody did an amazing job. This is this is wonderful. Right. And then still have you guys. You know, we want you guys to have this on your table to sell as well. So we want this thing to get out there into the world. That's the goal. Right. Um, so we're almost we're almost at four thousand dollars, which unlocks a, a new goal at four thousand. So we're, we're at three thousand eight hundred eighty three right now. So the next one is you unlocks a bookmark and you get some back matter. You get the, some scripts and concept are added to the story. Um, and then and then there's some mystery un- unlocks too after this this ten thousand goals is reached. So um, just just keep going, guys. We can get there. We only have a handful of days left. With about twenty something days left, I believe, uh, on this goal, on this one. Um, twenty three days left. Eighty six backers. We had about a hundred people plus uh, follow this one. So we haven't even reached all our people that have followed this one yet. So uh, make sure you guys are telling some friends out there. Um, yeah, and I've seen some of the artwork in our Discord, the behind the scenes artwork, the concept stuff. It's some pretty cool stuff. So yeah. Uh, I'm excited. I almost wanted to reach out and say, "Hey, can I post this or can I put this on the show?" But yeah. didn't want to didn't want to jump the gun there. But it is some cool stuff, and I'm I'm excited to see it uh, keep going. Yeah, I, I, everything that has been shared in the Discord channel is 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 good to be shared. Okay, cool. um, so we're 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 okay there. Um, but yeah, it's 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 some gorgeous stuff. There's some fantasy stories. There's uh, drama. There's horror um very very cool stuff suspense thriller like i love the many different genres that that this is uh in there and what schools he had when, when he put out the submission um he was just expecting you know a small thing happening but he had over 100 people uh submit and he had to narrow narrow it down to, to like 11 uh, about like 14 uh stories <laughs> so it was it was just it was kind of funny to kind of see that work um it was really cool I remember, I remember when it, uh, when that call went out, and I was like, "Oh, I'd love to be a part of this," but, but um, I was working on some other scripts at the time, so I couldn't be a part of it. But I really, like, I've been watching this campaign, and and I've been kind of seeing it formulate, and even before it launched and everything, and I, I think yeah. it's one of the the coolest anthologies that I've seen on the platform. So, yeah, we appreciate that, and it is, it's, it's. It is. Uh, I've I've been involved in a handful of anthologies, helping them market and stuff, and, yeah. and they're they're all gorgeous. They're all beautiful. Right. But this right. one is it, this one is probably one of the most unique campaigns, one of the most unique anthologies that that I've seen. Very very cool. Um. And and what's really cool is we I, I, we haven't even gotten to tell it everybody yet, but um, me and Ben were talking about this before. Um. Uh, there was the so the Kickstarter Forward Fund actually donated. Uh, a really good amount to to this campaign which is really cool so they so they even received a, a grant uh for this campaign um so to, to help this one so we gotta make sure that this one gets funded guys <laughs> that's awesome yeah that's really great to see your brain needs support and new ollie brainy chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. 
Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So um, to kind of jump back to the fabled offering a little bit, Nandor, and um, I kind of want to talk about what you I, – I, I saw a lot of things I touched on before about – the simplicity of the the pitch that you had for this and in terms of the artwork um it made a lot of sense it really um you know communicated everything you were trying to do very quickly uh i loved Manchild and i backed that one um but i was kind of surprised partially and this is not really all on you um but it's like it reminded me of a lot of the projects i'd seen and i i would say like the the early aughts the 2000s and yeah. it wasn't exactly what I thought. I liked what it was, but it wasn't necessarily what I thought it was going to be. Whereas I think mm. this looks very like it's a very straightforward pitch. Um, and, and again, to kind of what we touched on earlier, you see a pregnant woman climbing a mountain. There's a story there. You can kind of work that out. Um, were you trying and you touched on this a little bit earlier, but like, were you trying to do something a little simpler in, in this one uh, as a reaction to that? Or is it just something that developed on its own? Um, it really, it really did develop on its own. I, I do, um, like I said before, I do remember, um, when I was, uh, brainstorming the story and, and working out all the beats of it and outlining it. Um, I wanted to, uh, not get in the weeds of, of, um, you know, how much complexity I would bring to, to the pitch. Um, but I wanted to also, um, not, not, uh, you know, Manchild is, is such a unique and interesting project because I'm, I'm trying to tell two stories at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so that's a, a, a huge challenge for Manchild, but it's also the fun of it is because I get to kind of bob and weave and, and alternate and, and try to meld the two stories together. But, um, it's a, it's a harder sell, I think, because you're having to, get invested in two separate stories at the same time. And, but that's also the hook of it is you're like, what's the connection here? Um, and so going into the fabled offering, um, it was refreshing to get back to a story that I didn't have to worry about that, you know, and, and think about um, having to juggle all these different characters and that I was uh, trimming everything down to its most uh, like simplistic Form, formula for storytelling it's like one character one goal um one uh one desire that she has and her motivation uh, to do this and i still think people are going to be really surprised when they read the book because um i still throw my my non-door uh kind of curveballs in there and and make things a little more interesting than you would think and and shake things up a little bit but for the most part um there's a lot of uh easy access to it it's very accessible it's a very accessible story and you know you you feel for her you know you you see her in a few pages and you're like you want her to accomplish her task you want her to be able to uh follow through with what she wants to do and you know because we naturally would would feel that way for someone like her so um and there's a lot of mystery behind 
why why is she alone you know she's a princess why why isn't her kingdom supporting her why aren't they helping her um and uh there's also you know what what is her motivation for for leaving her kingdom behind to get to this place and um it's somewhat uh not not necessarily a spoiler but i i would say that uh Sizen, the the deity she's trying to get to I wouldn't necessarily say that, you know, he, he doesn't look like a, a very good guy. You know, he doesn't look like a good guy. He looks like kind of kind of villainous. So um, why does she want to talk with him? Why does she want to offer him? What what does she have to offer him? So mm-hmm. that, uh, that adds to it. But but yeah, I wanted to really try to keep it as simple as possible. No, I think that's something I struggle with. I'm again, an artist first. And we actually had yeah. a guest on a couple weeks ago that was doing a detective story. We didn't quite get to this point, but it was in my notes. I like, I thought to myself, I could never write a detective story. That's just too much for me to. I've thought about to, that before to too. Do that. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, I, I'm very impressed when a writer can just um, appreciate the differences between what you're juggling and say man child, which is like two separate narratives that obviously have a lot to do with one another. Right. And then something that's really straightforward. And uh, like how much, how different a process is that hard for you to break down or is it easier? Um, Cause I could see it being much harder to be more simplistic and more straightforward. Like this is, um, yeah. I could also, for me, it would be harder to manage. Like I'm writing the next scroll of twilight. Now I have a, a bunch of plot threads on an Excel sheet. I am just really struggling with like how to make that all work out in a pacing way. That makes sense. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. Because you're doing somewhat of a, of a crisis thing with yeah. that, you know? Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so um, it's. Uh, I, I would say this was this was um, a lot more comfortable for me. Um, and with Manchild, it was just because you only have so much real estate on a on, on in an issue and on on a page, and so I'm like, how am I supposed to? complete these two narratives and complete them in a satisfying way in, you know, uh, all these single issues and it's going to be a six issue series, but you know, it, it just made it that much more. I was like, I'm, I'm making it harder for myself. Why am I doing this to me, to, to myself? And with this book, even though, uh, I, I guess in some respects, it's somewhat similar to that just because while this is a one shot, of course, I would hope it would become more, but I knew going into it, you know, I'm, I'm creating this world and I did all this world building and, and thinking about just how, how it functions and how these deities operate and, and what their role is and, and what kind of um, world is this and, and you know, what kind of technology do they have and all that kind of stuff. It was um, challenging to try to condense all of that into 40 pages and uh, originally when I had my first pass of it, it was around 32 or 34 pages, but, um, I needed, I was like, I, I, I need more, you know, I need more space and I need, I need this to be fleshed out a little bit better if I'm going to wow the readers as much as I want to. Um, but trying to find that sweet spot of not, not going too overboard with it and, and to, um, just, you know, throw caution to the wind and make it as big as I want the book to be and but try to make it as succinct and and um 
keep keep the pacing even enough and that and that's something that is really important for comics in particular it's like the page turns what how many panels are on a page how you want to lead the reader to the next few pages you know your your the, the way you capitalize on a page or you build up to the climax of the issue so trying to tell a, st- a story in a one shot that has a beginning middle and end this is this is so different from anything else that I've done because all of my other stories I've I've had a lot more wiggle room and a lot more pages to work with so um in that regard, I'd say it's similar to Manchild and the Challenge, uh, just in terms of how much space I have to use. But um, keeping it to one character was like that's that's what what I love about storytelling, and and I love mm-hmm. very central character stories. Oh, I do too. I think that's something that really uh, I I found this out when I had to cut August down from like twelve issues to seven issues to four issues. Uh, it became a lot stronger and it really, I was like, wow, this is way better because you're just focused. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, that's a huge yeah. decline, but I, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I, I know I'm really happy it happened that way. Um, yeah. When I look back, it, it, first of all, I, and I've mentioned this before, it helped me as soon as I had to do that, I worked out a ton of plot holes that I had problems with. And I'm like, wait a second, mm-hmm. this, as soon as I rearranged the pieces of the puzzle, a lot of things became clear and, and just mm. worked themselves out. Uh, the thing I was really delighted to see was that the pacing, the the sort of roller coaster ride that the story needs to be, yeah, uh, worked so much wow. better when you're just on one character. And uh, to go back a little bit, because you've actually every note I took for uh, what I wanted to talk about today, you've actually <laughs> been two steps ahead of me and mentioned it. <laughs> Sorry, I, I think I, you might be spying on me. I'm not sure, but. Um, <laughs> To get what you were saying about the sort of, um, I think the logistics of what you communicate in this pitch, uh, where you're, yeah. you're, when you see that the pregnant woman um, in the mountain, it's a very clear goal, and I think everyone's sort of preconceptions about that. You see a pregnant woman alone, you're like, well, where's the guy? Obviously, there's something that happened there. Where's she's a queen? Where's her kingdom? Are they not supporting yeah. her? Why is this army not? You've, I think, been really economical about what you're presenting and um, and the things you're leaving unsaid are obviously the sort of, I really hate this term, but I think it's very illustrative of what works is the mystery box that JJ Abrams talks about. Right. Um, right. I think you have done things in a way that, that points to that. And I think that's something that I wanted to get to about crowdfunding is when we're putting our books out and putting, you know, just our marketing images even out, mm-hmm. you really have to be like, Hey, this can't just be Spider-Man doing something kind of boring. Um, there are a lot of cool yeah. covers from the '80s of Batman, like walking across a rooftop or something that I really love. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. But I also know that when it's a cool shot of Batman just not doing anything, it's going to be a shitty comic. He's going to be fighting. <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm wise to that. And I, I was when I was about 12. But uh, you really have to be smart because we have we get we really have to be cognizant of the the eyeballs we get in our images. That image might yeah. be the only time somebody sees this. 
we have to communicate yeah. so much. And I think that when you look at logistically the value proposition of your comic, you've got to be smart about what that image is. When you have the sort of kingdom with two worlds, like we're seeing yeah. here, when you see the artwork, which of course is a, a value add in of itself. Um, and then when you see the character and her obstacles, I think you kind of constructed this project logistically in a way that is very smart and tells everybody everything they need to know. And I think also what they're going to get when they read this. And I think that's, I think it's really examples of that. And it's really difficult too, right? When it, when it comes to marketing, like you, when you, when you get that first link for, for the, uh, pre-launch page right you only yeah. have that title card there right you have that title page you and you have to make sure that it's a really great image because you only have so many characters to tell everybody what it is right, right. Uh, right. and you have two two sections you have the title and the in the synopsis there and so you have to really tell everybody what it is so you have to decide do i tell them the synopsis of the book and and then pull them in with the story or do i tell them what they were going to get because it because and then you have to decide right because is this story going to is this book marketing this book is it going to benefit from uh a pe pulling people in by the story or pulling people people in by by what we're offering and and it's really you it's really difficult right like like with with push push the red button I felt like it was better to talk about what we're going to be offering right here because you got this beautiful artwork and this, this really great, great story. It's probably better to pull them into with, with a story. So I I'm, I'm actually curious. I don't think I've seen the, the, the title and that what you guys have pulled. Can we scroll down and see what you actually uh, uh, use to pull to in the title card there, Ben, if we could see. Oh, go up. Sorry. Yeah. Um, my bad. What, Doing the comments I'm curious here. to see how you pulled everybody in there. Yeah, so this is this was the. Uh, did you have a title card, or is this just the a frame of the trailer? Um, so that is um, that that is the the cover for for the book, and that's the new okay. title card. the The previous title card I had was actually the image of Aurelia um, kind of sitting down and, and holding her baby. It's on one of the pages. I think it's page. Oh, I'll. I'll, I'll I think I think I've seen that. Um, so it is, yeah, it's on that page, that this one, image this right is there. The one I've yeah, seen, yeah. Okay. that was, yeah, that's what we had for the longest time um, because Marco and I were still working on the cover itself and trying to trying to get the right image for it. But I knew that this, when I, when I saw this panel, I was like, that's perfect. Like, that's all, that's all we need because it's like, yeah. it's a character study. She's pregnant. She looks exhausted. You know, what is she doing in these mountains alone? You know, it just, it all, it says it all there. And um, we, you know, uh, this was my most successful launch to date in terms of how many backers I've had and, and the numbers we've raised. And also um, the pre-launch followers. Um, we, we had almost, we nearly gotten to 200 by the time that I launched this. And that was something that I had, not done before the, I think the highest I'd ever gotten to was a little over a hundred. So, um, I could, I could tell that I, I was learning, you know, I've been learning with all my projects, like how to, how to sell a book better, how to pitch it better, how to keep things, um, simpler for, for readers to get and and just how important that image is that Kickstarter title card yeah. is, especially for a yeah. pre-launch page. And, you know, people will look at it 
and it it's you know three seconds you know it takes three seconds mm-hmm. and that's something yeah. i remember uh, george lucas saying is if they don't know like when when he was designing his ships and in, in the star wars movies oh, yeah. uh, he would he would say if they don't know what this is in three seconds there's a three second rule then we got it we got to change it they have to know what it looks like and they have to know yeah. its function in three seconds so um that's almost an impossible <laughs> you know challenge because it's like wait a second how can i do that but um when you when you find that and you do it and you do it well uh it provides yeah. results you know you get the results that you want and um yeah that's something that i've been really grateful for for this campaign yeah, I think that that's, again, I kind of said this before, but I think you've been really smart about, I think something you really don't appreciate until you're about to post your Kickstarter page Yeah. Is, okay, somebody's going to look at this, they're scrolling down, they're doing other things. I really have to tell them every cool thing about what I'm trying to do here. Right. Um, that right. image, and it's generally just an image. And it's so, it's all so those difficult. Things. Yeah, it's so difficult to do that because... You know, you don't you like with my stories, I, I really keep them close to the vest and I don't want to spoil anything. I don't want to ruin the reveals. You know, I mean, what what I love about um, reading a story and, and, and enjoying a story is having that having those surprises and having that experience that especially with comics, that it's a very, very individual, intimate experience that only you can can have you know you're not reading comics with other people you know when you're reading a book or anything it's like that's it's it's you in the book that's all there is and so um trying to decide which pages to show and 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 which ones we should you know feature and all of that kind of stuff uh it gets really uh complex and and kind of you know, it, it's it's using a part of my brain that I, I don't really like to use that often when it comes to, to marketing and trying to share things. But it's something that I have learned over the years. And, and the more books that I've made, I've been able to, uh, like, find those money shots, you know, and find those shots that people will, will be like, OK, I'm sold. And there's been so many people that have seen one page of this. Uh, I remember I posted a page of this um, when I was uh, talking about the book and, and getting pre-launch followers for it, I posted it in some Facebook group and this, this guy commented and he said, I haven't read comics in like a decade or so. Um, I'm going to read this like, I, because of this one page, like this, this, wow. this has brought me back to comics and I'm like, way cool. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's, <laughs> That's insane. So that's way cool. Uh, yeah, very yeah. cool. I mean, and that's. I think that's something when you're when you do Kickstarters and we're independent creators, you have to think about. It. You have to put. You have to wear all those hats. You have to wear the Stanley hat. Yeah. You have to wear the Jack Kirby hat. You have to wear the, <laughs> the publisher hat. Um, that's a lot to do. And I remember when I was trying to come up with a, a cover for We Are Scarlet Twilight, I kind of know the things I like to draw, and mm-hmm. and I know those things would look really cool. Um, at the same time, I was like, no, you, you can't just go at it that way. You have to be like, I, I need, I have certain, infor- a certain amount of information I need to get across to you. I need to get the costume of this character, uh, what he does. I need to get the vibe of his world. I needed to have that atmosphere of the thirties. And that really narrows down what you're trying to do as an artist. 
I think as a writer or a project creator as well, you really have to concentrate not so much on like, does this sum up the story? Does this compare? Does this like sort of hint at the surprises in the book? You really have to think of like, hey, this is my image. Somebody's going to scroll past this. I need to say probably three to five things about my story and that are really cool. And, yeah. and then you really you build it from there. And I yeah. think this is a, a project that has done that. Now that image, uh, you you know, kind of described it perfectly, does all those things. It describes the artwork you're going to see. It describes the challenges the character faces, and it really gets all of that across. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> I really, I really appreciate that. It's been, I mean, I think, I think it's, um, been like like i said it, it it's it's kind of proven itself and and i'm glad that you've been able and, and other people have been able to um receive that and 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 get the quick pitch easy and that and how how it kind of hooks you just from you know the the what, what what do they say like the art the art um brings you to the comic um but the story keeps you or makes you stay yeah. and yeah. so you know, I'm I'm really proud of Marco, and I tell Marco all the time, like this this book is incredible because of you. Yeah. People are buying this because of you. I hope they enjoy it uh, because of me when they read it. Um, but you know, this everything about comics, and and you know, when you when you go to a comic shop, you know, you you look at the covers, but you know, you pick up a comic and you flip through it, and in those a few seconds yeah Yeah, i mean you you decide and either you know it's subconscious or you know unless unless the the lcs owner or manager you know talks to you about it or tries to pitch you a book um you know you you wouldn't you you just put it back and you wouldn't think of it ever again and so um trying to you know tug the reader in and get them to stay is such a challenge and that's that's one of the most challenging but rewarding aspects of making comics is being able to do that. And, that, and, I, and I love that you brought that up because uh, you know you, Kickstarter, Kickstarter is just like the shelf of a comic shop. It is. You walk in you know you see all these con- comic books right but what pulls you in is the artwork right I, just yeah. like you said it, it, the, comic books are a visual medium you further you you so the the one thing that i always say is because you know uh, comics are a visual medium your kickstarter page needs to be visual as well right so you have mm. a good balance of of uh of dialogue to 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 visuals or copy to to visuals right so so you want to make sure that you are sticking to that right there's uh and then and then that's i think that if you can portray a good balance of that uh, I think you're you're you'll be successful in 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 uh, being clear and precise uh, of what you are trying to get uh, people to you know your because this is a Kickstarter we're trying to get people to purchase these things right so you set uh, everything in in you know really really great spots you have pricing you know all this the different things that you don't think of when you actually have your head down right and and creating right yeah. <laughs> Think exactly. about now. You turn around and think about doing all I, these different things. Yeah, I think that when we we come up with projects as creators, we think of everyone looking at our project as they're picking up the book that's on the shelf, looking through it carefully, considering every every page they see, deciding whether they like it. But in reality, we need to be thinking of 
the view of the customer that's looking at 30 books that are on the table that came out that week. Does my cover stand out? Does my cover communicate yeah. what that is? You you have exactly. so much less time than and so much less attention than you yeah. actually think. And you know, that's funny about really that. I, and I and I and I don't mean to interrupt you, but while we're on that topic, I was looking. So so the weeks leading up to to this this launching this anthology, I was looking at the cover, the title pages of the title cards of each each anthology, and we had a different one up there too. And I was like, well. <laughs> this one is not standing out above the rest so we switched up the title card and it started standing out above the rest and we got a ton more people following okay sorry mm-hmm. go ahead go ahead go back <laughs> oh no I'm, i was done and i've sorry i have some guest stars tonight because we have a new cat <laughs> yeah. um, like, like little, little things like that right Ch- changing things like like watching and 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 Don't and going and learning and and, and uh, paying attention about obviously you know, we're we're. I don't like to say that we're on the shelf competing to one another, but you actually you at least have to sit there and be like, okay, they have this out. That's gorgeous, right? I love that people are going to buy yeah. that. But I, but we need to make sure because the only thing that I can control is is our project, right? So I'm going to control what that looks like, and I want to make sure that it stands out above the rest. And the way I do that is by looking at at the peers that we have on the shelf next to us and and making sure that we are doing what we are supposed to be doing by trying to sell that thing and standing out above the rest right it's like it's like being your own carnival barker right getting out there and yelling you know like who's who like or going to the carnival or going to the the the, the fair right where, yeah. <laughs> where these, those people are yelling at you, hey, you're, you're like, oh, no, dude, I don't want to play your game. Just, <laughs> Leave me alone. They're the, loud, but they're the loudest ones yelling at you. Come on. That's right? a good point. And I think that there are, uh, this has gone back probably 15 years, but I was doing some design for a comic company uh, way back. And they said, like, I, I gave them some really good designs. And they said, this is really great. I love how it looks. It looks very professional. They said, can we like PT Barnum this up a little bit? That has stuck with me. That was a great <laughs> way of saying it, and it made a lot of sense. And it's it's yeah. obviously lived with me for a long time. The yeah. it, that's something you have to consider, and that doesn't mean you need to be outrageous and loud and over the top like a carnival barker would be. But you need to realize the job you're trying to do, which is yeah, get the attention, get the illustrate the story. Um, you know, really be clear about what you're trying, what the value proposition of your story of your campaign is. And yeah. uh, I think that's something as, as uh, you know, as creators, we just really have to be cognizant of when we're putting these yeah. things out. And most, I think campaigns are getting better at doing that. Nandor, yours is one of the best at doing that. And I think don't push the red button. Um, it just in its, the conception, the idea of it is a very simple pitch. And I think that's, uh, these are, these are ideas that work very well for what we're trying to do You in, I think geared towards this, the sort, sort of storefront. That Kickstarter and crowdfunding is is kind of turned into. Yeah. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best—it's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line—it's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI—it's possible. Because we're already doing it all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Totally. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And, you know, Kickstarter has um, 
it's changed a lot over the years. You know, I've been using it, um, and I've had I've had books um, on it the last uh, you know five or six years, and um, I love how much it's grown, and I love how many people uh, you know trust it more now than ever. Um, you know, I mean, I I remember uh, when I put my first book out in like 2017, 2018 on, on here, uh, you know, when you would talk about Kickstarter and even with other creators, you know, they're kind of like, what, or like, does that work? Does that actually work? And now, you know, crowdfunding has really taken over. But, um, while I think a lot more people trust it, um, that also makes it a lot harder to get noticed because there's a lot more people on it. And so, um, when, you have everyone flocking to it um it 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 has its pros and cons because you're you're you're, even though you're getting more more readers more potential readers that are visiting um you're also trying your best to stand out amongst the crowd Mm -hmm. and that you know it's a double-edged sword in that way and that's something that um Mm -hmm. i've really had to adjust for and and really think about and the kind of books that i want to put out and the kind of uh advertising i want to do and and you know fought, like i remember when kickstarter didn't have a pre-launch page you know they that that's that's a new thing that they had uh i think implemented just like four or five years ago maybe um and so um it, it's something like using that to your benefit and trying to gain followers and gain signups for that has really kind of changed the game and it can really affect the way your campaign um you know how successful it is and how it tracks yeah i think that it's it's yeah. put us back in touch with some things that i think old school comics always had to deal with when they were on the newsstands i remember reading an article i think it was julie schwartz uh recounting if you put purple on the cover it sells better if you have a gorilla yeah. it's a silver a gorilla shot. yeah a gorilla yeah. on the cover i don't know why but it sells better <laughs> and they were like yeah these were kind of just things they ran with and those look silly to us now but that is based on some really sort of nose of the grindstone experience where like, okay, we, we know where our comics are being sold. We know what they're, what they're being surrounded by and what the competition yeah. is. And I think it's good for us to, I think something the direct market did that's not great is that you, it, it let people be a little lazy and that you could just be like, well, mm. for me. you know, like, I'm not knocking the mainstream necessarily, but like you could be, you could lean on, something else instead of being like hey i have to earn this this reader every month yeah every yeah every pair of eyes i get on this has to be you know really impressed with it and i think that's something that kickstarter has sort of forced us to get back in touch with and i i really like that i think that's smart and i think it from a creative perspective when you apply when you're starting to think that way it makes you a smarter writer because you're thinking about that in how you construct your story as well. Right. Um, it gets you on the right, I think on the right path, as far as like, you're not just writing for yourself. You're not just sort of going with an audience that you assume will be there. You have to earn that audience every page turn. And that's, I think something that as creators, it's really smart to do. Um, and really smart to yeah. at least have in mind when you're planning out your stories. Yeah. And I think, I think uh, Kickstarter has changed, right? Uh, like like you're saying, um, it used to be where 
people used to want to be involved with the whole entire process that process right they would you would you would uh fund the project and then they would follow you through all the updates and all the different things that they would do through the project and and as 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 uh work would come in they you would update people and they would like see the process like that and then and then finally the book would come in about a year or two after right now it's changed to where people really want to consume the book a little bit sooner right so they mm-hmm. would love at least 50 percent of that done before you even kickstart your book mm-hmm. right so that you can use it as a pre-order kind of kind of page right and drum up that kind of support that way and people get their books you know within a couple of months rather than a couple of years like it used to be so so i think we kind of moved in different different places different uh we moved forward and 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 did better with the the kind of changes that we've made with kickstarter um you know what i mean and, and the thing with the purple that one still kind of stands actually they still love purple they still love purple blue and pink like you get purple and blue, pink on there <laughs> right yeah we can't forget my next book is, is gonna have a big gorilla on it yeah, <laughs> next big, or next big, we should next next up with an anthology about monkeys just like monkey stories i, I, I think we'll we, just call it the we purple have there. <laughs> yeah purple monkeys we we blow the house <laughs> down purple, yeah, monkeys, absolutely. purple monkey anthology there you go that's that's money right there in the bank yeah <laughs> I, I was thinking something uh, while this conversation was going on that I, I, in some sense is interesting this uh, thing about what you present because uh, I think something that I, in my experience as a writer that I found is that I think the writing experience of comics in, in some sense is picking the right images in some like in what are you conceptualizing as the image because my background is as a filmmaker I, I wrote for scripts for films um, I was, I was a screenwriter. In, uh, I am actually, and a screenwriter in Brazil. But I'm I'm trying to transition to comics. And one of my main difficulties is that basically comic books and films are both visual mediums. But with films, you have like a thousand frames to tell everything. With comics, you have like the keyframes. You have some specific imagery that has to be maximized. It's not so much about what's right. what's on the page, about what would choose to leave out of the page. So in some sense, the the Kickstarter marketing is like a, a sort of a, of publicity publicity esque development of that mindset. If you think about it, about choosing the right image to maximize the impact, it's a it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you really have to pick the images. I think this is something as an artist you really focus on, but you need to build to a crescendo. You really need to get the the best image. And I think the thing that illustrates yeah. that to me is um, if you've ever looked at the book How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way. Um, Bissema did a drawing where Stanley wrote it, and I think this is a great illustration of not just artistically what you should be focusing on, but I think comics in general. There's a thing where it's like Spider-Man throwing a punch, and I think he breaks it out into about five or six frames, Um, and it looks like a time-lapse thing where he's like winding up, going through the motion, and uh, and he says like, there are basically six images of Spider-Man here, but the first one and the last one are the most dramatic. That's what you need to go for. Um, yeah. That's obviously yeah. a brilliant yeah. thing to think of in terms of artwork, but yeah. it really also, I, I think, sums yeah. up what you need to do as a comic creator. You need to get yeah. those moments, the, the really the crescendo moments where things build, where it's dramatic. Um, that's mm-hmm. the images you need to highlight. And I think what you and, said about yeah. comparing that to film is really smart. And I think that there are so many filmish comics mm-hmm. now that, 
some work really well and some don't. Um, I think being cognizant of the differences between the mediums is what really makes comics work really well. And I and I think you hit on key points there with like with everybody, right? Like looking at this image we have right here on on page, right? Not only are uh, with the comic books, right? We have to do all that and you f- find those key images and and and, and, and maximize those, right? We have to do the same thing with the Kickstarter page, right? You have to maximize this this title card here you have to maximize it with with the copy that you are telling them right here because this is the only page that they see when they have a pre-launch right so everything on here right here has to tell them everything that you want them to know about this thing to get Mm -hmm. them excited to get them wanting to talk about it to get them to share it to get them to do anything to take anything actionable this is all this is what they're going to be doing right so you have to get these images right you right then you have to get the trailer and then not all you you can't just stop there you halt now you have <laughs> to find the correct rewards to offer and then find the right <laughs> pricing to put those those in right and and you and then you have to look at your budget and then say okay well um if, if i could print these for this much if i sell them at this point um, there's going to be a little bit of a bit of a profit. And then we, when we come out on the other end of it, we can fund another one. Right. And then do it again. And because right, this is what we're doing, right. We're kind of creating this, this sales funnel so that we can continue to put the money back into these projects to kind of continue to do it. And then now, now it's funding itself, right. That's what it's all about. And yeah. that's what we're doing with these, these Kickstarters, Right. And you have to do every single thing, on point or as 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 close to on point as as possible choosing which images you want to showcase putting in the the correct copy here and and coming up with a different the the correct title cards and the correct trailers and what you do within that trailer and and all these different things that you are kind of showing every single person right um it's just like this image here where you have all these different frames yeah Uh, your kickstarter has all these different frames as well and you have to make sure that you are you are hitting each one of those precise, right? And, and in the end of it, you're going to have this 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 really beautiful, beautiful layout, right? Um, and and then that's, and then even then, the work is not done, right? Because now you have a thirty day, <laughs> you going out there and telling everybody, go look at my beautiful page because I spent tons of time on there, yeah, and, and, and buy some really cool stuff, right? <laughs> and you just you you just hope that you did a really good job on making sure that you found all the right, uh, you know, rewards and put them in the perfect placement, right? So it's and then and then on top of it, and then it's not done. You still have to. You know, then you have to fulfill these things and print these things because that's what we're doing this for is to get them into people's hands and to make sure that they are reading them and, and then we can do it again. Um, so I think when you hit every single piece of those components, um, you can have a successful campaign and just you just got to make sure that you figure it out. And then and then but the way you do it is you always, always work. You're always working to grind to grow your base, to grow to grow uh, your brand. You have different brandings, right? You have your own branding, and then you have your book branding, right? Your your own branding is you and everything you do, and then your book has its own branding, right? So, uh, yeah. and there's there's so much that goes into it, and that's where creators are like, man, I'm tired of that. I just want to put my head down and work, <laughs> right? So, so it's uh, so uh, Ben, we definitely have a solution for people for that if if they uh, if they uh, are tired of 
of doing that stuff and they want to put their head down and only work what is that solution that they have they can head to geekcollective.net and uh and contact us about putting together a campaign and not just you know putting it the campaign page together we do trailers we do mock-up images we do um you know just basically advice on pricing and all that stuff basically um and i found this when i i'm a writer artist i do everything including pre-press is all me when i started working with other people to put my campaigns together it let me put my it, it really my process was so much faster and i think so much better so mm -hmm. i think if you're uh if you're a creator that's kind of looking to concentrate on your work which is what you should be doing um <laughs> it's great to collaborate with people like us at geek collective that can just help you do the other stuff and let you uh, you know i guess to put it simply keep drawing your pages um and okay. keep your keep your mind on those things because i think that um when you get into and this is something i think i said a couple weeks ago when i was putting together my first scarlet twilight campaign something that really took a lot of time and also uh, was, wasn't really resolvable was the fact that I was putting together spreadsheets and, and figuring out costs. But the as much research as I did, and I did a lot, what I really got hung up on was the fact that it would take me so long to do the book while doing all the campaign stuff made it so that like, well, maybe shipping is going to be so much more expensive oh, once I actually yeah. get this thing done. So you really couldn't get to a good point um, where you could be confident in what you were going to need to, you know, need to price things out as. And that worried me a lot. There just was too much to do. So I think when you, you have to find a way to delegate the right task, if you're really good at marketing, you know, you, maybe that's something you do, but you need to find people to help you with other stuff. And I yeah. think that's something I'm used to doing everything myself. And I, <laughs> once I stopped doing that, it made my creative process so much better. And it also like, kind of illustrated that the things I was doing as far as logistical planning, you know, that wasn't, if it takes long enough, a lot of that planning is useless. So you really do need to find ways to be intelligent about that. And that's what, uh, what we do at geek collective is help out with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and we can, we work with anybody's, uh, uh, budget, you know, we can always work things out. Um, and just like uh, Ben said, we, if there's something that you're really good at and you only want to make sure that we handle some things, we can definitely talk with you and, and, uh, curate many different, uh, you know, tiers and, and, uh, services that we can offer for you guys. Um, <clears throat> so the, 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 make sure you guys are, are, you know, using every, every tool that you guys are able to use, right? This is, this is one of those things that we've, we've created this because, uh, uh how many campaigns have you been involved in ben um at this point probably seven or eight i think and then uh i've done um 23 24 campaigns wow. with all of all the different people that i've that i worked with and helped with them uh market their stuff and and, and build their campaigns some of them are uh three different teams are, are repeat customers so um so we've done we've been around the block with with doing these things and trying to you know making sure that we are making uh the setting these things at the precise clear precise uh rewards right because that's one of those things that i found when i started doing this stuff was it's really hard to keep your projects clear sometimes so uh we can make sure that that's clear and precise for those so people can uh know what they're buying and and do it doing because you want them just like nandor said 
you know, it only takes them three seconds to make a decision and you want to make sure that you have all that stuff right there at their fingertips so that they can make the best decision uh, for everybody. Right. So um, make sure you do that. And um, <clears throat> another thing we want to make sure that we stress uh, uh, budget, right? Budget is one of those things that is really hard when it comes to this stuff. So you're always thinking about, about shipping costs and all these different crazy things and all the stuff that's adding up. It can be a nightmare. So we've partnered with Gemini mailing supply to give you guys a 10% off uh, code. So if you guys are using, uh, if you guys are using the, and uh, we, we suggest that you use uh, Gemini mailers because we've seen the nightmares where people have uh, received their stuff and is <laughs> damaged. And that's the worst thing, right? Getting something in when you're, you're looking forward to it and it comes yeah. in damaged. Right. So uh, one way that you can do that and, and uh, stop it from being so, so damaged is by using a Gemini mailer um, and, 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 Using that 10% off code, I've seen people uh, use it and say, dude, I'm so glad you had this. It saved me 200 bucks. That 200 bucks you can use somewhere else, right? You can pay some, some sometimes people you can buy a, a cover for 200 bucks. So you can get a whole new cover for your next project for the money, money that you that you saved on this one, right? So make sure you guys are using Geek Collective 10 at checkout at GeminiMailingSupply.com. Yeah, I always feel like I sound fake when I say this because I think I say it every week. Literally every week I see somebody on Twitter saying, I got this comic. It was bent up. It was sent in a plastic mailer. I'm upset. And it it, yeah. it really does happen. And, and, you know, Gemini mailers are not made of, you know, they're not bulletproof. But if you do send <laughs> something in Gemini mailer and something happens, nobody's going to blame you. That It's like it, it is the last mile of your project. It's as important yeah. as every other part of it. And I think it just uh, I, I, we talk about the value proposition of our projects a lot and we have tonight. I think that you really have to carry that through to every part of your project. You have to make sure when you're selling your project that it's everything you want to say. You need to go to that last mile and make sure that when people get that in the mail, that it that the same care has been taken there um, because people backers really do notice that. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think that does it for tonight. Uh, Matt, Nandor, it was great to have you on the show. I was really excited to talk about these books, and I've had a great time. Um, thank you for coming on. And everyone who's uh, watching, go ahead and check out the uh, links we have in the uh, description. Um, you can get to, get to Kickstarter and back these great books. And uh, we will see you next week. Thanks, everybody. All right. Thanks for having me. Yep.